0: The Joyce Kaufman podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. OK, so uh, why are we sending the military to the border? Seems to me I remember that when we did that during the Trump administration, then Senator Kamala Harris. Called Donald Trump's actions inappropriate and political. You know, one thing about the left is uh, consistency is a is a foreign concept to them. Title forty two is officially ending, and border cities in Texas, in Arizona, in California, in New Mexico, they're already declaring a state of emergency because. Once this COVID era policy that gave the border agents authority to turn away some migrants goes bye-bye, there are literally thousands of illegals waiting in Mexico who are going to attempt to cross the southern border all at once, once the policy is up. One source, now you see, I know a lot of border patrol agents because of all my years working on this issue, and they're pretty scared. One of my sources reported that they anticipate 15,000 people will cross on the 11th, May 11th, when the policy goes up. Another of my friends calculated that in Juarez, Mexico, there are 10,000 to 12,000 migrants waiting to cross over. Then I read an article that said border cities might be facing 10,000 illegal crossings a day. So the Defense Department is sending 1,500 more personnel to the border, but not like the 5,000 troops that Donald Trump sent there to actually secure the border. No, no. These 1,500 troops will be helping with the administrative tasks and the transportation, not actually stopping illegals from entering the country. No, no. This show of force is... uh, it's like something coming out of the, you know, the onion or the Babylon Bee. Biden deploys 1,500 troops at border to help register new voters. Literally. I mean, that's what you would see on their websites. And instead of confronting the fact that we have a southern border humanitarian crisis, you already got migrants loitering in American streets all over the place. It's going to get much, 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 much worse. We have migrant children who are being exploited. We have high death rates for people who are desperate, migrants who are desperate, dangerous criminals, floods of fentanyl, all coming into the country. And if they don't close and secure the border, then all he's doing is sending troops who are going to be able to tell the story of just how badly this president is failing at the border. And they don't get it. You know, Sanctuary City mayors in Chicago and in New York are begging Texas Governor Greg Abbott to stop bussing the migrants. The DHS Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas said, let me be clear, our border is not open. Okay. He said that on April 28th. It was just a few days later that an illegal alien murdered five of his neighbors. A guy who was deported multiple times they asked him to stop shooting off his gun in the front yard. So he went in the house and killed him, including children. But Mayorkas wants us to be, you know, uh, comforted by the fact that our border is not open. The White House press secretary, this KJP, I don't even, you know, I can't even say her name anymore. She made the, the stunning claim of saying when it comes to illegal migration, we have seen it come down by more than 90% because of the actions that this president has taken. That's really alternative universe stuff, isn't it? It was up by 23% from February to March. The average monthly crossings is standing at about 203,000, and it would need to be lower than the 22,000 of the Trump era lows in order for that to be true. We know it's not true. Law enforcement has recorded more than 7 million migrant encounters on the southwest border since Joe Biden and Kamala Harris took office. That's the most in our history. The most. So what KJP should have said was we've seen a 90% increase, not decrease. That might have been closer to the truth. But you see, they don't think that what they're allowing to happen is evil. They don't even see the stuff that they're saying as lying. You see, because in their way of thinking, there's only power, and the people who have the will to wield that power. And they also believe reality is what you make it. So they tell their lies like with the, you know, they got swagger. But the House Republicans have a majority So they have some power to help temper some of this horror. Maybe uh, the House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, can put together some bills to help stem the tide at the border because we're all being affected by this. I'm just going to pray and brace with the uh, border towns because I don't see this administration even acknowledging that there's a problem, never mind helping to fix the problem, right? But, you know, th- there's a real battle going on. I, I have to share, you know, I, I often talk about the books that I'm reading or listening to on Audible because, uh, you know, they're, uh, I think they're fascinating. Sometimes I get the uh, tip to read a particular book from, uh, you know, Mark Levin's show. He had a, a guest on this weekend besides Alan Dershowitz. He had on a guest... Who was a North Korean immigrant, uh, refugee? Really, is the only word you can use. Yun Park, I think, is her name. Anyway, uh, he talked about her book called "While Time Remains," and I was compelled. I was finishing up my book about Michael Lauder, and the, the you know, it's Mental Health Awareness Month, so I'm trying to read some books about, you know, issues of mental health and addiction, things like that, but I decided I would read this book or get this book on Audible, and I started listening to it this morning, and it's really stunning. You know, here's a woman who flees North Korea, and when you hear the stories of what her childhood was like in North Korea, I mean, the brainwashing is beyond anything we can even understand. You know, Kim Jong-un is uh, considered a god, and when she was little, her parents would tell her, don't even whisper anything negative about North Korea or its leader, the, the leader, the great leader. Because even the, the flowers and the birds will carry the message and will all be punished. And if you're a little kid, you believe it. Now think of being a little kid. You're, I don't know, nine years old, seven years old. And there's no food, not even a bowl of rice. You're literally starving. And in order for you to be allowed to even go to school, which is maybe your only hope, your family has to come up with five rabbit pelts and give them to the teacher, you know, like bribe your way into school. You got nothing to eat, but you have to give, you know, five rabbit pelts to the teacher or the headmistress or whatever it is, right? Right? And meantime, on your way to school, you're trying to find cockroaches and grasshoppers that you can roast and eat so that you won't fall asleep from weakness when you're in class. And I'm hearing this or reading it through my ears. (laughs) And she ends up escaping to China where she's put into sex slavery, her and her mother, and then they escape to South Korea, two years later, she gets educated in South Korea and then she comes to America. And after all these trials and all, you know, she educates herself, she gets into Columbia University, the school my daughter went to. And she describes the unbelievable horror of finding out that in America, they brainwash the young people here too. It's just different. It's really different. She said, these universities are teaching American students to hate America. Safe places. She said, I thought you went to a university to learn. Now I'm told, can't make anybody feel uncomfortable. The first day of school, I'm being told, you know, if anything makes you feel uncomfortable, report it immediately. She goes, that's like North Korea. She was stunned at just how similar it really was. And you know, as as the mother of some kids who went to Ivy League institutions, she's absolutely right. But see, people can hear it coming from her maybe better than they can hear it coming from the mom of American students who got uh, brainwashed. It's really, uh, it's so, Mm -hmm. see at least my generation, we went to good schools. I went to good schools. I got a, a, what I think is an even better education than my kids did in the Ivies. but at no point do I remember being told that America was horrible and that you know, white supremacy was the rule of the day, and that um, you know, I, there were 78 genders or any of this kind of crazy stuff. I listen to this stuff and I think to myself, you got to, if you're coming from another planet or even just from another country like North Korea. And you hear professors telling children, that the first day she's in the orientation and the, the professor says, has anyone here read Jane Austen? So she's feeling pretty good because she read all the Jane Austen books and thought they were fabulous, raises her hand and says, yes, I did. And she said, well, what did you think of them? She said, oh, I thought they were wonderful. Well, no, they weren't wonderful, she said, the professor tells him. They're uh, misogynistic and they're racist and they're white supremacist and they're white, I don't know, she just listed off all these, uh, you know, terrible things about Jane Austen books. And, and the young woman didn't know what to say. But she said it started to sound like Animal Farm or 1984, which she had read. But little by slowly, even her mind was being twisted because then came the election of 2016 and now everybody she's hanging around with at Columbia, you know, they hate Donald Trump. They call him a rapist. They call him this. They call him that. And they love Hillary Clinton. And so she, uh, you know, wants to fit in, right? So before she knows it, She's telling her boyfriend, her fiancé at the time, don't you tell me anything nice about Donald Trump, and if you even say anything nice about him, I will not marry you. You know, brainwashing happens in all kinds of forms. And it really just, uh, it's kind of stunning how I'm waking up and realizing the woke people in this country are not just trying to destroy my country, they are successfully destroying my country and I got to argue with people who are supposed to be on the same side as me about how if we don't stand up to them if we don't push back and say hey now you don't get to tell us who's going to be the president and you don't get to tell us you know uh, that, that our beliefs are null and void don't talk about abortion, don't talk about, uh, you know, woke culture, don't talk about vaccines, don't talk about this, don't talk about, whoa, 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 whoa. That's the beauty of the Bill of Rights is I can talk about anything I want to talk about. As a matter of fact, I can redress my grievances with the government. So I certainly should be able to talk to you on a college campus. And instead, someone like me will get banned from a college campus. So imagine this young woman from North Korea has written a book that I'm hearing (coughs) where she makes the case that she's having the exact same life experience at Columbia that she had in North Korea. Now, if that don't shake you up, I don't know what it's going to take. I really don't. But I'm watching, and I'm really getting, uh, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm nervous, I'm not. Because I do know that in the end, I believe the good guys win. I believe in the end, God gets the victory, right? But oh my goodness. When I am, am starting to realize that this woke culture and all of this crap that's going on in my country is working. They're destroying the very fabric of Western civilization and not slowly, we're bobsledding towards Gamora now. You know, there's not, I don't know if there's time to to turn it around. I really, I would have to, uh, I'd have to think about that more seriously than I want to. It may be too late. We may have gone past the point of no return. In moments like this, I'm almost grateful that I'm in, uh, you know, the seventh decade of my life and not the, third. Anyway, uh, don't forget to have the app, the 850 app on your phone so you can listen to the show. You can join the contest. And if you don't have the app, go to the website, 850wftl.com. So you can join in. You can win a $50 DoorDash gift card and you can get saucy with delicious fried chicken tenders from Tender Shack. But you must enter in order to win either at the 850 WFTL mobile app or at the website. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. You know, one thing that really bothers me is when they, like, lie to us and the, you know, the majority of people just go along with the lie. Like, what are you afraid of? You know, when they said, oh, you know, uh, they're not going to ban gas stoves. Well, now New York has banned gas stoves. And now we're finding out that they have a bunch of new rules for dishwashing appliances, that dishwashers have to cut their water use by a third and the maximum energy use by 27%, which by the way, most American dishwashers are already well below the current maximum water use of five gallons. But of course, don't confuse the Biden Department of Energy um, with reality, with facts, I think it's, was it was Jordan Peterson who said, oh no, Ben Shapiro, who says, you know, don't let your facts get in the way of my feelings. That's the leftist thinking in this country. So this policy is gonna set the requirements for any dishwasher made in or after 2027, which is the year the policy is expected to go into effect. And I'm just, you know, why? the The border is wide open. In a few days, people are gonna be pouring across the border and they're worried about my dishwasher? Not for nothing. I can only speak for myself. I barely use my dishwasher. okay? I'm just one of these people. I grew up. you uh, you had dishes in the sink. You didn't leave them there. okay? you uh, your idea, Was to wash the dishes as you dirtied them so that as the day went along, you did not have a a load of dishes. You know, now my daughter and her generation, they start loading the dishwasher first thing in the morning and they just keep on loading it until it gets full. And and then my daughter is always trying to convince me you should do this, mom. It's really uh, you know it's better for water preservation. Um, and so she finally convinced me. Okay, so I'll save water if I use my dishwasher. And now my government is telling me, oh no no, you you can't you can't use your dishwasher. You're probably using too much water, huh? I mean I I just if you're gonna keep moving the goalpost. If you're gonna keep changing the rules, then I'm never gonna be able to obey, right? Which is your intent, right? You want me to be able to do exactly what you tell me to do at all times, and yet I never know. Use your dishwasher, don't use your dishwasher. Take a vaccine, don't take a vaccine. Put on a mask, don't put on a mask. I really, I just, uh, I'm so tired of trying to keep up with the, the nonsense That doesn't make sense anyway. And that you inevitably end up then telling me, okay, well, um, you know, we've updated. That's what I was going to say. We've updated the information. And so now we want you to understand that you do not need to wear a mask. (laughs) Okay. I promise you, I will never, ever, ever want to take your word for it, Mr. Government just cannot, you know, you just think you've lied to me too many times. That's why I'm super eager and I believe it's going to happen for Elon Musk, Elon Musk. Somebody keeps yelling at me for saying his name incorrectly. Like I don't, you know, I don't really care how he pronounces his name. It looks like Elon to me, but apparently it's Elon. But I hope he gets together with Tucker Carlson And every other rogue, you know, I had somebody texted me or emailed me yesterday and said, oh, please don't say that he should bring on uh, Don Lamont. You know, Don Lamont's a liar and Don... Yeah, but you know what? It's time for us on both sides to realize that we need to debate every issue. We cannot keep pretending that one side gets it all right. Because you don't sharpen your argument that way. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. I pretty much, you know, cut off some ties with people. A lot of people have cut off ties with me over political matters. And some of them are, you know, have been dear friends for many, many years. And I allowed them to distance themselves from me back in 2016 over Donald Trump. You know, I said, hey, look, if I'm not entitled to support Donald Trump, um, you know, then then we don't really have much of a relationship, do we? And they said, yeah, you're right. I'm not your friend anymore. Okay, I adjusted, you know, now. I refuse to adjust to the people who did support Donald Trump who are now telling me they can't support him again and they don't want to support him again and I can't support him again and he's not going to win and he's going to bring the whole party down, blah, 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 blah. You know, and I just stand here and I look around and I realize that sometimes the hardest thing to do is to just be true to your principles. You know, and, and, and trust me, I don't think there's any perfect politician. And now Donald Trump's a politician. He wasn't, but he is now. Um, so I certainly don't hold him up as some kind of you know mystical, magical, messiah-like man who's going to you know save our country. I got news for you: you and I have to save our country. I think it'll be easier if Donald Trump's in the White House. That's it. It's still going to have to fall to us. It's still going to depend on the 435 people we elect. To Congress, it still depends on chief justice and a series of associate Justices who are going to interpret the Constitution accurately. All of that is integral to saving my country. So the fact that I believe that it'll be a whole lot easier to get that stuff done if Joe Biden isn't in the White House, well then, you know, shame on me, right? What has happened in the last two and a half years? It has been a total disaster. We're on the brink of uh, military actions against powers that now have militaries mightier than ours and will grow mightier as ours grows weaker. You know, when I have a drag queen as the face of the Navy recruiting in this country, Uh, Are you really anticipating that we're going to have a mightier Navy than China? You know, when I I have to sit around and watch corporate interests, whether it's Budweiser Light or it's, uh, you know, uh, Aeropostale or any of these other woke companies, insult my intelligence. You know, tampons for men. Well, come on, guys. We let them... Just make up stuff, and we don't push back. So it isn't a politician who's going to save us. It really isn't. It's we who have to save us. And I'm up for the fight. I can't only speak for myself, but I have a couple of friends who are up for the fight. So put on the full armor of God. we got a fight ahead of us. Let me take a quick break. You stay right where you are. I'll be right back. So you can't have a dishwasher, you can't have a this, you can't have a that. This week we're going to be talking a lot about immigration, whether, you know, you understand my obsession with the subject or not, and most of you do, because I've been obsessed with it for 30 years, close. First I started out obsessed with it because I was an environmentalist, and I said we can't do this, you know. But today, you know, and so I have guests coming on this week. I have um, Chris Chemolensky from Numbers USA. I've got Ron Kovacs coming on from FAIR. They're down at the border watching this insanity. They're all there. Mark Morgan, a bunch of my uh, contacts, um, Tom Holman. They're all down there because they want to see what happens. And I I know what's going to happen, but we'll get live reports from the border. But I've been talking about AI and you know, the very first day that I was kind of doing a little bit of a deep dive into AI, my voice got robotic, I got knocked off the air and like people were like really seriously asking if I thought that, you know, perhaps I had upset the powers that be and that wasn't what happened. Although yesterday, apparently the powers that be, meaning the internet, was uh having a problem carrying my show and I apologize to those of you who had to endure you know, podcasts and, and, you know, just, just a, a, it was a wreck. It was a train wreck. I, I admit it, but, you know, I love the fact that so many of you will endure even a train wreck to hear my show. I mean, I'm humbled by that, but uh, I'm, I'm also very grateful. But now, because so many of us, including some of the people who designed AR, uh, AI, AR, these gun control advocates have me nervous, but um, the people who are stepping away from AI, everyone from Elon Musk to uh, the guys at Google, the people who invented chatbot, guess what? And and there was a big headline this morning, I think I put it on my daily download, that they predict that AI will replace 80% of jobs in the next few years. Can you imagine if 80% of the world suddenly has no jobs? I mean, that's pretty um, scary for me. Because I think work makes people feel better. Not to mention they're able to take care of themselves and their families, but I think it actually improves one's feelings and self-worth. But so I predicted... I don't even know if you heard it because I don't know how much of the show that day actually got out. But I predicted at the time that you would now see a very concerted effort to rehabilitate AI in the minds of the public, right? It's being attacked. So therefore, the people who have a reason to keep pushing artificial intelligence as the answer to everything are gonna come up with like all kinds of stories and we're gonna be subjected to them. Lo and behold, at nine o'clock this morning, I find a headline that says AI detects cancer years out. Ooh, now isn't that interesting? Is there anybody in the world who is not going to want technology that can predict pancreatic cancer up to three years in advance. Because pancreatic cancer is one of the most lethal forms of cancer. And the only hope that people have is that it's discovered very early. So now researchers have created an AI tool that can identify individuals at high risk for pancreatic cancer up to three years before a diagnosis. And this was in the Journal of Nature Medicine. And, you know, for people to have any hope whatsoever that there will be a cure for cancer, you know, I think every president has said that that was their goal was to make sure that during their tenure there would be a cure for cancer. I, I think it would be nice if they come up with a cure for the common cold, but that's a whole nother story. These coronaviruses are... A whole different story, right? Because um, that's all a cold is, is a, a, va- a variety of a coronavirus. But nonetheless, they're rehabilitating AI right before my very eyes. You know, one headline says that's going to eliminate 80% of the jobs. The next headline says, but don't worry because it can predict cancer three years before a normal diagnosis could be made. Is there anybody who's going to stand in the way of that? Probably not right, the uh, the dictatorships around the world, and China being the biggest, they have just arrested a chat GPT user. Now, I'm still struggling to figure out what all these apps are. You know, I um, I don't know if I told the story. I know my husband has told the story you know, my grandson, when we were driving to church on Sunday, he and I always talk about how his school week went, you know, and he, he's honest. He's such an honest kid. It's like the one thing about him that, um, I, I wish every one of my grandchildren were as honest as Dayon is, but he is just, he's just, he, you know, he won't lie to me. He will not lie to me. So I said to him, well, how was school this week? And he said, Eh, you know, it was okay, but we had a couple of finals, and I did not do, well. I didn't pass one of them, he said, and it was one that I've usually, in the past, have been able to ace, uh, algebra. So I said, well, what, what do you think happened? He goes, I just, none of the test questions were what I was expecting or what I had studied for. And so, you know, I'm the kind of uh, mother-grandmother who always says, okay, well, that's the problem. What's the solution? So I said, okay, you know, I have a friend who has tutored dozens of people in algebra geometry all that stuff she's really good at it and during the when when can you take the test again he said in september i said okay during the summer we're going to carve out a time you know i didn't even have to ask her because she adores him and i knew she would immediately say yes i said we're going to carve out a time where sarah's gonna um you know tutor you so that you can pass that exam i said let me ask you a question you know, what do you know about like all these chatbots and chat GPT and like uh, you know the the idea that you know people could be using it to write a dissertation and stuff like that and he said, "Well, I got to tell you. I used it to write an essay one time." He said, "But I quickly realized I could not do that again." And I said, "Well, good because it's, it's dishonest." And he said, "Well, no. No teacher is going to believe, knowing me, that I wrote something like that. He said, it doesn't. it's not my voice. Um, and so you're going to get caught, he said. He said, and, and fortunately for him, he realized that before he submitted it. So he didn't hand it in. But he read it and he goes, wow, this is really good. There's no way she's going to believe I wrote this. And he crumpled it up. But I thought about that. You know, here in America, he would not be jailed for doing that. He might fail a class, but I know that there are people who are using these chatbots, chat GPT, to write fake stuff. And you may just, you know, fail a class in America. You may even get a slap on the wrist. But in China, they just detained a man for using Chat GPT to write fake news articles. So, I don't know, but this is the first I'm reading about an arrest about using or misusing AI. <coughs> so, I'm, you know, there's going to be a whole legal field around AI now, which fascinates me. The man surnamed Hong, exploited modern technological methods to fabricate fake information and proceeded to spread it on a social media platform. The alleged offense came to light after police discovered a fake article about a train crash that left nine people dead, which had been posted to multiple accounts on Baidu Inc.'s blog-like platform, Baijiahao. The article was viewed over 15,000 times before being removed. Further investigations revealed that Hong was using the chatbot technology, which is not available in China, but can be accessed via VPN networks to modify viral news articles, which he would then repost. He told investigators that friends on WeChat had showed him how to generate cash for clicks. I am just beginning to understand the enormous impact artificial intelligence is going to have on us. You know, it's easy to talk about the jobs that'll be lost. Well, it's not easy to talk about, but it's uh, that's something you can wrap your mind about. But this idea of writing false stories and disseminating them, that does not bode well for society. There's some... Uh, uh, cyber sleuth in uh, Great Britain, a professor actually, um, who wrote an article about AI and how it risks undermining the fabric of our society because people will no longer be able to tell the difference between truth and lies. And I get it, you know, if, if you, can impersonate real people, and I've seen it. We've all seen these artificial um, memes or videos of, well, Donald Trump. They had one of him being arrested and you know, in the streets of New York, which was all done with artificial intelligence. And the government is actually behind the curve in policing this because you know most of the technological advancements that are made in artificial intelligence or in uh computer sciences period are the work of private companies like google like uh, you know uh elon musk like you know these are companies that literally are pushing this technology and don't answer to anybody about it they barely answer to anybody about you know they're human resources, right? I mean, they they have like slave labor in these, uh, you know, in America. And so imagine, you think they're going to be responsible about this? So this cyber expert, who's expert rather, who's at the Oxford School of Government said it's going to be very tough to impose controls on the development of artificial intelligence. So much of the development is happening in the American private sector that there aren't always the sort of levers that you can pull. You see this with something like the online safety bill. You get into very controversial territory, and actually you end up being behind the curve in terms of the way in which technology advances. The big question is, how do you get technological markets to work in a way that validates information credibly and in an economically efficient way? You don't. You see, you don't. The industry experts and the academics, they're not interested in a balanced and responsible approach to the risk. And you know how you know that? Because these guys who invented this technology, like Jeffrey Hinton, who quit Google so that he could talk about the potential dangers, Elon Musk, who signed the letter calling for a six-month pause, uh, Jeremy Fleming over in Great Britain. These people are sounding the alarm and they actually set this all in motion. Uh, look, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm too old to figure this all out but it better get figured out whether it's gen z gen x uh, you know uh, anything after the boomers they better figure this out because if not you think george orwell was just a novelist i think george orwell was a prophet i think he's got more truth in 1984 animal than than nostradamus i think we'll be studying that if we're lucky enough, to still have books and be allowed to read them for generations to come. Anyway, don't forget, coming up at 1 o'clock, Dan Bongino. At 4 o'clock, Ben Shapiro, who I stole a line from today. At at 5 o'clock, Matt Walsh. At 6 o'clock, the WPTV Local News. And then uh, all the great guys overnight. And tomorrow morning, Jen and Bill, they'll be back in the morning. So I have one segment left. Don't touch that dial. I'll be right back. Okay, so you know, if you think and if you were to listen to some of the members of this administration telling you that everything is fine, and you were to believe that, I mean, you'd have to be make the case to me. You know, I am not a fan of bed bath and beyond. I never liked that store. I always felt like everything in it was going to fall down on me. It was just piled up to the ceiling. <laughs> just the, something about that store. And plus, I thought the prices were very high. That's why they send you the 30% off coupon every five minutes in the mail. Um, but now they're bankrupt. Okay? You know, a, and there are stores and companies all over that are filing for bankruptcy and these big chains, right? I mean, these are not like, you know, uh, the mom and pop businesses which I you know, grieve every time one of them goes out of business, but you just you just lost uh Bye Bye Baby, which is a, a infant to children store. They're closing all 120 locations Tuesday morning, which happened to be one of my favorite stores. They had about I don't know, they must add close to 500 or 1000 stores. And everything in their stores was, you know, inexpensive, good stuff for inexpensive prices. It was usually outdated. You know, you could buy things that are not the newest model. Uh, but now they're, uh, they're going out. Um, Bed Bath & Beyond is definitely the biggest one. But it was, it's, it's symbolic to me. That you um, have an administration that keeps telling me, "Don't worry, you know the the, the economy is fine, we're all uh, doing fine," and then I read this stuff. We have no trust in our economic leaders, zero. You know, Chairman Powell is anybody? You know, trusting him. Janet Yellen is anybody trusting her? You know, the U.S. is facing a deadline to increase the debt limit. We got an economic recession looming. Americans lack confidence in a lot of our leaders, right? 34 to 38% of U.S. adults say they have any confidence whatsoever in Joe Biden and his team, you know, Yellen and, and Jerome Powell. And they have less confidence in Congress, both parties, right? So think about that. That's, that's pretty scary times. And yet, all I hear coming out of the White House, and and to a great extent coming out of the major media sources, is everything's fine. Look over here, you know, nothing's wrong. Everything be, everything's gonna be fine. Banks are failing, but don't worry about that. We owe seven trillion dollars. I saw that figure today. You know, as banks are not, uh, you know, not stable. Even though we're being told, oh, this, everything's fine. Don't worry. Mid-sized banks, everything's going to be okay. And, and and the Federal Reserve will fix it. The FDIC will pay for it. You know, that's what we're being told. But in reality, we're not believing that anymore. We're just not. We owe $7 trillion. $7 trillion with a TR. In debt abroad. $1.1 $1. $1 in Japan. 860 billion in China, those are our largest foreign sources, but it's spread around all over the world. We are literally captives to economic forces in companies that uh, have have dictators and companies that are communists and and, and we are. But don't worry because everything is okay. You can't have a gas stove and you can't have a, you know, a dishwasher that actually cleans the dishes. And we changed the name of Fort Hood to Fort Cavazos on Tuesday, today, because uh, we can't have any Confederate names on any forts or or army bases, Uh, because that's way more important than the $7 trillion that we owe to governments all over the world. Just saying. Didn't want to depress you, but it's pretty depressing. Anyway, I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon, if it be his will, and he delays his coming. Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Tomorrow, J. Christian Adams will be on with me, president of the Public Interest Legal Foundation. We'll have Chris Chmielenski on Thursday and Ron Kovacs on Friday and Derek as well. God bless you and God bless the United States of America.